You are quite obviously a podcast listener. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a podcast guest or how business people get booked as podcast guests or especially whether all that time and effort has any impact on growing their business? Today, we'll talk with an author and business owner who helps clients get featured on leading podcasts that their ideal customers are already listening to. There are good reminders for all of us in and out of podcasting when it comes to targeting, converting, and being a professional object of interest. It's Tom Schwab, founder and CEO of Interview Valet on the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome to the Manager Message Podcast where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations. Those are the ones that generate by far the most and most effective word of mouth. That means more growth in your revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. On this program, we discuss three foundational components for managing your message. First, the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Second, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday competitive advantage. My new book is published by Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find a sample on my website, jimcar.com, And of course, you can find it wherever fine business books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Indie Books. The audiobook is available on Audible, if you like to consume that way. We put all of this together because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. Today's guest is an expert on podcast conversations and persuasive business communications more generally. Tom Schwab has a rather unique vantage point. He's a Navy veteran who once ran nuclear power plants and was, as he describes it, an inbound marketing engineer. Tom doesn't seem to get caught up in the hype about podcasting, but rather focuses on how time-tested strategy connects to today's technology. Tom is now an author, speaker, and the CEO of Interview Valet, which helps clients get more traffic, leads, and fans by being interviewed on podcasts, of all things. So Tom, welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. Jim, I am thrilled to be here. And let me put one disclaimer in there. To me, CEO is chief evangelist officer. So I love evangelizing our company, our clients, podcasting, and really just getting the people's message out there. Yeah, that's good, Tom. I was speaking to a friend of mine. He's a CEO of his own small business. And so uh, we had a chuckle and decided that for him, CEO meant chief everything officer. <laughs> so this should be interesting. It's a podcast conversation about the marketing opportunities and podcast conversations. We're really making the full loop here, but I promise message manager listeners, we're not going to get too inside baseball here. I think there are a lot of ideas we could talk about, about what works in building your renown, establishing your expertise, growing a business through podcasts as well as other avenues. But Tom, we should first talk a little bit, as I had in your bio and the introduction, about 
how an engineer who once ran nuclear power plants somehow wound up in the podcast interview marketing space. Well, Jim, we're both about the same generation there. And I think looking back, it all makes sense in the rearview mirror. But uh, as we were walking out of college, I'm a mechanical engineer. I never thought that I would be doing this on podcasting. I never thought that my life would be so rich for so many connections, nor that we would have all of the tools here. And really, I look at engineering taught me how to think and nuclear power taught me that anything can be refined and taught. Often uh, when I hear people say, well, you don't understand my business. It's too complicated. I could never systematize it or teach it to someone else. I have to laugh and I'm like, no, you don't understand your business. If they can teach highly motivated, intelligent 20-year-olds how to safely run a nuclear reactor, we should be able to systematize and run our business. And that's really what we've done with podcast interview marketing. You know, we looked at it and said, how can we build on guest blogging and really use podcast interviews for that? And over the last five years, we've really refined the system, taught it and really executed it so that now that podcast interviews can be a great way to get your message out there and very scalable also. Well, engineers are kind of natural problem solvers, right? Love processes, love specificity. I think so. And I think it's how you view the world too, is growing and drawing on things you already know and applying it to new problems. You know, Jim, sometimes I look at it and say, my grandfather would be more ready for the future than say my grandchildren, because he understood the strategy. And I think they'll probably be focused more on the tactics. And I was glad that you said that, that we're not going to get into the nitty gritty because uh, they change so quickly. You know, by the time this goes live, there's going to be some new trick or tactic. But I think if you think about the strategy of how to grow your business, how to grow your message, you know, how to reach those messengers that you talk about, and you start looking at podcasting and specifically podcast guesting, you look at it and go, that makes a lot of sense. Let's, Tom, talk at that strategic level a little bit because I find an interesting phenomenon when you look at marketing conversations or business development conversations in general. In many settings, there's a lot of evidence that audiences, that consumers want shorter, more bite-sized bits of information. So we know, for example, Tom, that shorter emails tend to work, convert better than longer ones. Certainly YouTube brief video bites seem to be more appealing. But on the other end of the scale, a lot of what I would call long form messages are very appealing too. Physical books sell well and they're still impactful. Podcasts, many of them are pretty long, tend to uh, are growing in volume and influence. So when you look at that strategically about how you market one's business, what is it about longer form programs that tend to attract a certain kind of audience? And where do you see that all fitting in? And I think we've got to be very careful when we take lessons from one area and apply it to another. There's a great book out there by Bill Troy called How Digital Marketing is Ruining Your Business. And what works on e-commerce for a transaction doesn't always work for a longer relationship sale. You know, a point that he makes in there is that whales don't click and big fish don't swim through funnels. So what might work off of a Facebook ad or, uh, you know, a short teaser may not work for where you really need a relationship, where you really need a lot of trust. If you took the same 
principles, you could say, well, if I'm looking for a spouse, if I'm looking for, you know, a big, big lifetime relationship, well, shorter is better. So I guess I'll just go on quick little short dates with them. And you would laugh at that and say, no, you need to build the relationship. And I think the same thing is with long form content. So if I'm just trying to buy a new set of earbuds, I go through them so quickly, they're commodities to me. I really don't have to know much about that company, what their thoughts are, where they're going. It's a transaction, not a relationship. So I think when you get into more of a business that is built on relationship, you have to know who you're dealing with, what their vision is, what their heart is. Is this somebody that you want to partner up with? And today I believe it's never been easier to make a transaction online. You know, all you got to be is a penny cheaper than the next person on Amazon, but it's never been harder to build a business. And building a business means having that relationship, having the long-term value of that customer. And that's really where, you know, the profitability comes into also. Sure. So there are different forums. If you really want people to know what you're about, the distinct advantages or the distinct contribution that you can make, what an ideal client or customer really is like, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. You've got to be able to have a forum so that people can get to know you and get to understand you on more than just that tiny surface basis. And I would argue today, we don't need more customers. We need better customers. Today, we live in this world of abundance. You know, when my grandfather was uh, had his business, you know, if you weren't didn't live within probably five miles of his service station, you weren't a customer. Think about it. Today, we've got access of, you know, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of customers for what we are doing. We don't need more. More is not better. Better is better. And so with that, I think if we can focus on finding those ideal customers that will value what we offer, that we mesh very well with, boy, that's the way to make a really long-term profitable business. A moment ago, Tom, you mentioned uh, blogging and some comparisons with blogging to podcasting. I'm curious about what you see as the parallels. And for you with your engineer problem-solving brain fully intact. And what was it that podcasting first drew your attention? Because blogging was all the rage and blogging can still be effective. But so what was it that suggested to you that maybe there was uh, there was something to this podcasting piece that paralleled the rise of blogging? Well, I wish I could say I had this perfect plan, but I probably stumbled across it, right? So content used to always be blogs. And one of the hacks that we used was guest blogging. So instead of me putting a blog up on my own site, having it being seen by, you know, three people, one of them being my bride, you know, I'd go out on a different site, a Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, wherever that audience was and tap into that audience, get the authority, the know, like, trust and drive the traffic back that way. And in 2014, I hypothesized that you could use podcast interviews much the same way you use guest blogging. And for me personally, every time I wrote a blog, it was like a homework assignment. You know, I'm not a natural writer. I joke that I are engineer. Um, <laughs> but for me, talking here was very easy. And so we started to test this, both myself and uh, a few friends that I was in a mastermind with. And we were amazed how well it converted. And we were seeing conversion rates of 25 times better than blogs. 
meaning that if it was a visitor to lead, a good blog will convert about 1% to 2%. What we were seeing on podcast interviews, more like 25 to 50%. And at first, Jim, I thought, eh, it's too good to be true. It's got to be the personalities, the niche, whatever it is. And the more we tested it, the more it really worked out. And I think if you look back on it, it it's content. And even going back further, I mean, people have been doing this on television. Instead of starting your own television show, well, go on somebody else's, go on Oprah's. They did it on radio. Back before there was any medium, it was probably doing it over golf, right? Instead of uh, going out and finding three other people to talk to and to sell, we'll have one of your buddies invite you into their foursome and you could get into there. So leveraging existing networks, getting that know, like, and trust. Just what podcast interviews allows you to do is to do it so much more at scale, over time, because this is evergreen content, uh, it's really a digital stage and a uh, digital stage that uh, is easy to do and really reach more people than most people ever listen or reach on a physical stage. Tom, I'm curious to dig into a couple areas that you just mentioned. So one of them is conversions. And so I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what that means, but at the same time, it can mean lots of things to different listeners and different business people. So essentially what you're trying to do is get some sort of measurable behavior from the audience, from your podcast or your guest appearance on that versus writing a blog, et cetera, et cetera. So as a first step, when you say conversions have proven to be much higher as a guest on podcasts, what types of behavior are your clients, those podcast guests trying to drive? What are they trying to get done? Sure. And one of the things that I look at conversions is how do you move people along in the discussion? How do you move them along to solving their problem? And one of the things that digital marketers will always tell you is one call to action. Now, I don't disagree with them, but every time we have tested it off of a podcast interview, we always find that three work best to meet the people where they are. So give them a small way to say yes, to come back to your website, to see something. For me, I often use a checklist, you know, six secrets to getting on your first podcast or the checklist that I use to prepare for interviews. So it's sort of a small win. If they're interested, they can go there. The medium is typically something that takes a little bit more time, an investment of time or money. So it could be watching a video. It could be watching a webinar. It could be you know, downloading a book or buying a book. So it's a little bit more commitment on their time. Now, if somebody's heard you on a podcast interview, you know, 30 or 45 minutes and they're like, wow, you know, I want to work with them. You know, they come ready to engage because they've listened to you for 30 or 45 minutes. Well, don't slow them down in a funnel. With that, give them a way to connect. And for me, that's usually, you know, let's jump on a call and talk about how you could use podcast interview. For some people, it may be, you know, the product that they're offering, whatever it is in that next sales cycle. So I always look at it, anything you're doing with your message, there's got to be a next step to it. No matter how good of a communicator you are, I can't help people completely in 30 or 45 minutes. Let's find the next thing with that. And I always say when Somebody hears you on a podcast interview, there's three types of people that hear you. The first one will hear me and say, Tom is an idiot. Well, I don't disagree with them, Jim, right? But I just know. <laughs> <It's> situational, everyone. <laughs> We're all idiots sometimes. <laughs> and the thing is, is if they think that, God love them. You know, all I know is that we won't work well together. And that's fine. You know, the other ones are like, hmm, that's interesting. 
but I don't need that right now. That's fine too, right? There's that third group that go, wow, I understand him. He understands me. He can solve my problem. Those are the types of people that you want to connect with and really move along to help them solve their problem. And being able to establish that not for me or potentially for me uh, is a service, I think, to both sides of the equation. There's certainly value, as you were talking about there, Tom, in, in terms of saying, you know, maybe he has some interesting ideas, has an interesting point of view. I enjoyed listening in on that conversation. And it's just not maybe for my business or not right now, but that's still valuable. Yeah. And I, I was at a, speaking at an event and uh, somebody on the panel said that you need to get 50 new leads for your business every day. And I looked, I said, I couldn't handle 50 new customers. And his point was, no, you just need to add 50 people to your list. And I'm like, well, why would I want to add them to my list? Why would I want to you know, send them emails if I can't help them, if they don't need what I have? I, I, you know, Once again, more is not better. Better is better. So let's have a discussion. They can listen in for 30 or 45 minutes and they can self-select. And I think that's really why we're seeing such great conversion rates is because the people that aren't ideal customers, they self-select out. Those people that come are already almost pre-sold, if you will. They know more about your company than you know about them. It becomes a weird sales call where it's almost like when you talk to somebody that listens to your podcast, they know everything about you. You know nothing about them. Sure. As you're helping clients navigate this world of podcasts, it is the wild, wild west in terms of the different shows, formats, hosts, everything out there. I think I've seen, Tom, that uh, these days there's something on the order of 700,000 podcasts that are active, but at the same time, many, if not most of them, are not creating new episodes. They're just kind of sitting on a shelf, dusty someplace. (laughs) Most of them have, and I've seen different numbers, but They've been in a, a range of the, the median number of episodes for a given podcast is somewhere in the like 10 to 20 range. Now, of course, message manager listeners, this is an absolutely fantastic. We're like top, you know, X percent of a podcast, but even we're, you know, relatively new. We're a year into this. So how do you, again, this is just a huge landscape with varying audience sizes, types of audiences, formats. How do you help people navigate that in terms of where's the right conversations for them to be part of? Right. And you were so spot on there. Last year, Harvard University had their first conference on podcasting. And I loved how their first keynote speaker talked about it being the golden age of podcasting. And so it is the Wild West in there. There's a lot of things being tried. Those numbers that you pointed out, I've heard those also from uh, Todd Cochran at Blueberry. And there's over 700,000 podcasts out there. Less than 200,000 of them have published in the last 30 days. And most podcasts that die, die within their first 10 episodes. You know, anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well. You know, it's just the great ones (laughs) that make it look easy. It's like playing football on a Sunday afternoon. Oh yeah, I want to do that. They don't see all the work that goes into it. So Jim, thank you for all you do on that. But getting to your question there, how do you find the right podcast? The goal is not how do you get on a podcast, but how do you get on a podcast where your message can make a difference? 
And our algorithm really looks at four things. And most people stop at the first one. So first, look at the podcast, right? Make sure that it's your ideal audience. It could be the world's best podcast about basket weaving. But if you're talking about business leadership, they probably won't care what you're talking about. You know, that content is king, but context is God. On the podcast, also look at, you know, how many shows do they have? You touched on it. The majority of podcasts that die, die within their first 10 episodes. So you could be, you know, interview number six. Well, if they stop paying the hosting bill at number seven, no one will ever hear you. Look at how many reviews they have. And that's changing a lot because there's so many different platforms, but sometimes you can see how engaged the audience is. So that's the first thing to look at. And most people stop right there. The next thing to look at is you're really trying to get audience. So look at their website. What kind of audience do they have at their website? There's some numbers called Alexa, not the Amazon smart speaker, but Alexa, which ranks all of the podcasts. So how popular is it? There's also a ranking called Moz, where how authoritative it is. We've got some clients that work with us that just do podcast interviews for the backlinks they get from the podcaster. So for example, you know, when you get a backlink back from a show that ends in .edu or .gov, those are like gold. So those can be very, very helpful. Third, when we're looking at audience, we'll look at their social media. How much are they promoting the podcast? Are they just putting it up there? And if you listen to it, you listen to it, that's fine. Or are they promoting it to their social media? Are they promoting it to their email list? Not everybody listens to podcasts. Some people will get the information from emails. And if they're emailing their list out about the podcast guest, boy, that can get you a lot of exposure too. And then finally, we look at experience with past guests. Now, not everybody has visibility to this, but I'll give you a little insight. Those podcasts that are real conversations those are always the ones that are the most engaging and work the best. So if you're asking every person the same five or six questions, it's really hard to get your message through, to get your heart through that. So that's why I love this format where we're just having a conversation and seeing where it goes. You know, to me, the best podcasts are like sitting down at a Denny's and listening to the two people behind you. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, it'd be rude to turn around and get in on the conversation, but you just want to sit there and listen to it and see where it goes next. And that's an, an interesting visual and a good one. I appreciate that very much. And yeah, I was just thinking as you were speaking there, Tom, one of our previous guests here on this podcast was Frank Cessna. And Frank was the chief White House correspondent for CNN and a host. He's a true journalist. And he wrote a book called Ask More. It was really about the value of asking questions, not so much as a journalist or even in just in business, but also in, uh, you know, he talked about ways of setting up a good dinner party. And the reason I was thinking about that, when you were talking about what's it like for a podcast host or a podcast guest, I'm kind of thinking maybe the guidelines there are, are like, What's it like to be a good, gracious dinner party host? Or what's it like when you show up at at someone else's party and just the quality of the conversations and how you engage with people and how you handle the follow-up? Is that a strange comparison? Or how do you coach people in terms of how they work within the confines of podcast conversations? 
that is a perfect comparison and one that I'm going to start using. I always used to say it's like being a house guest and following the rules of the house, but I think a dinner guest is even more spot on there, Jim, because it's their audience. It's their party. They're inviting you to be there. So I always say, follow their lead. One of the things we talk to guests about is if they talk at a certain cadence and a certain pace, make sure you match that. Often when people get excited, they'll talk faster and faster. Well, 70% of podcast listeners listen to the podcast sped up. So if you're listening to this at 1.5x, Jim, the host, sounds normal. If I talk fast, then I sound like a chipmunk. So doing that. Also, you know, certain podcasts have the explicit rating on it, right? Is that good or is it bad? I have no idea. It's but it's what you want for your podcast. So always to respect that, you know, to know going in there, is this a G-rated podcast? Is this an R-rated podcast? You know, is this the walking into Denny's at 8 a.m. or is it walking into Denny's at 2 a.m. when the bar's closed? You know, making sure that you have the right context there too. And then also knowing what you're going to. So knowing what audience is going to be at that dinner party or at the podcast so that you can give information that's applicable to them, that's entertaining to them, that really fits it. You know, I think I said before, you know, content's king, but context is God. And in the same way, knowing what you're walking into, often I see people will go on to a podcast interview and they'll wing it. And they'll think, well, you know, I'm just talking to one person. Well, none of us would ever walk onto a stage with 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people and say, ah, I'll just wing it and see where it goes. No, when you come onto a podcast interview, you better know who's there and you better be prepared because you are going to make an impression. And I guess the only difference between that and the dinner party is that if you make a bad impression, it's only on the people that were at the dinner party. If you do (laughs) it on a podcast interview, it's for all time and uh, can be shared way, way too easily. (laughs) And Tom, frankly, it was a little disquieting that number of 70% of podcast listeners are using that sped up mode. So should I speak slower now? So I may be not quite like Alvin the chipmunk. So that's that's interesting. And people do want to both, I guess, follow the conversation, but also to do it on their terms and the time frame that they have if they're out, uh, you know, commuting or they're around the house or they're walking the dog or whatever the case might be. Oftentimes I find when I'm working with either executives or teams, teams of sellers, talking to people in an association. There are people who have really good businesses. There are people who are expert at what they do, but even sometimes even especially the people who are real experts struggle with how to say it. They don't necessarily think what they do is that inherently interesting, or they just don't know how to get it across to people who might not be in their industry or or have their lingo. So I'm just imagining, tell me what, how much of this is true, that a lot of the business professionals, the clients that you talk to, if they're even thinking about how could I be a good podcast guest, how could I use that to build my business, might think, you know, Tom, I'm just not that interesting. I just have no idea what to say. I mean, how do I prepare myself for these conversations? So what is it that you tell people in terms of, I guess, A, the inherent 
interestingness of what they have to offer, and then B, how to put it in some bite-sized chunks that will lend themselves to conversation. And that's a great question. And I think it's a struggle that we all have. You know, what's ordinary to you is amazing to others. And I can look back on my life with this. You know, when I was on an aircraft carrier, you could tell somebody that was new because for the first couple of days, they would climb all the ladders or the stairs up to watch the airplanes take off. And after a couple of days, it's like, eh, that's too much effort to go up there. It's gotten to be ordinary. And then you'd get off the ship and everybody would say, wow, do you watch the planes? To them, it was amazing. To you, it was ordinary. And I think all of us underestimate what we know, what we bring to the table. A lot of times we say, well, I'm not the expert. And a friend of mine that's a lawyer actually helped me with this. He said the legal definition of an expert is someone that knows more about a certain thing based on their training, based on their education, based on their life experience. So we all have areas of brilliance. We have areas of expertise. And we underestimate that because we think everyone knows that. But there are things that we know that we could help and share people with. So that's one of the things that we always point out to people. The other one is where you're coming from. So we've had some clients that were on television. I can think of one that was a news contributor on one of the big networks. He was probably on there oh, probably three nights a week talking about cybersecurity. The problem became he was used to talking in 30-second sound bites. He would joke that he'd spend an hour driving to the studio, an hour in the green room, and then he'd be on television for three to four minutes, and maybe he'd get to talk one to three, depending on how much the host was, and then he'd drive back. But when we first worked with them, we're like, you've got to give longer answers because he was used to 30-second sound bites. If this is a 30 to 45-minute podcast, uh, this is going to be really long and painful with that short of answers. The flip side too, sometimes you, you ask somebody to introduce themselves and tell them about themselves, and 30, 45 minutes later, you're wrapping up the podcast with one question. So I think there's that fine line. And sometimes, you know, if they're a good conversationalist, if they can pick up on other people's questions, sometimes a video is on that can help too. So you can see if somebody's trying to get that next question in all those little things. But once again, it's, I love your analogy about the dinner party. There's that person that answers the questions long enough, but doesn't dominate the conversation so that it can be a conversation. We've talked about the evaluating the landscape of podcasts. We've talked about kind of preparation for that as well. But once you have that podcast interview done, because generally this is evergreen sort of content, or at least it can be durable and useful for a, a longer period of time. How do you recommend that business people use, whether it be podcasts and other areas like blog posts and things like that, that might be related. How do you help them and advise them to get the most mileage out of it for the longest period of time? And that's really what it's about there, right? The mileage, the return on investment. How can you get every drop out of that time that you spent there? And often, once again, what's ordinary to us is amazing to other people. So it's like, we've already heard the interview, but there's so many people that haven't heard it. So putting it out there to be found and just because it was recorded last month doesn't mean that it's not applicable next month or next year. And if somebody hasn't seen that or heard it, 
we'll put it out there for them. The other thing too is that not everyone is an audible learner. With that, you know, I remember somebody asked me, well, podcasts like 50% of the US population listens to podcasts now. When do you think that'll get to 100? And I thought about it for a second. I thought, well, I don't know that radio or television ever got to 100. And later I heard that 10% of the US population is hearing impaired. They will not listen to me on a podcast, but that doesn't mean that we can't take that content, take that interview and repurpose it. We're trying a, uh, an experiment here. Can we get a month's worth of content out of every podcast interview? So can you take a transcription of the podcast and make four or five blogs out of it? If you think about it, a normal blog is probably 600 to 800 words, maybe a little bit longer. Well, most of us talk at 150 words a minute. So you're thinking every you know four or five minutes, we've got another blog post here and someone else can take that content and clean it up. You can make memes out of it. Uh, you can make little snippets so that people can find that. You know, not everybody has the propensity or the desire to listen to an extended interview, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't cut it up into smaller sections. And I think that's one of the amazing points that we have in our life today. There's been no other time in history where we can create in the way that's easiest for us and then use others, use automation, whatever it is, to repurpose that content into a format that is most impactful to those who are consuming it. So from that standpoint, you know, for me, I love talking. So I love the podcast interviews, but that doesn't mean we can't go and make blog posts out of them. Tom, I am convinced that there is at least a month's worth of content from our conversation today. A couple of things that I think have really come out of this. One is, and here, listen to this. In real time, I'm making notes here, Tom. So I know there are ways that I can better repurpose and package and remind and, and all of that from here. So you're, you're teaching me as well. And I think just in general, it should be encouragement for all of our listeners, whether you're going to be on a podcast or not, about your expertise and things that you can share with people, whether it's giving them some background on a phenomenon, to talk about something that's interesting, taking people behind the curtain a little bit, as you were talking about working on an aircraft carrier. You know, other people are fascinated by the things that they don't see. And so uh, I think we can all be encouraged about what we have to offer and what we can talk about and share in a really useful way. Tom, how can we all keep up with you and what you're doing and track along what Interview Valet is doing? Well, Jim, I'll pull behind the curtain here. If you want to see the way we have found that converts best and engages best, it's not to send them to your LinkedIn, to your Twitter, and, and just confuse them. Always give listeners one place to go. And if you want to see what that welcome page looks like, you can go to interviewvalet.com forward slash M-Y-M for manage your message. And there I'll have that six secrets to get on your first podcast that I mentioned. I'll put the checklist there that I use and all of our clients use before their, their interview. You know, in the military, we said checklists are written in blood. Make sure someone else's blood. <laughs> I'll put the copy of the book, Podcast Guest Profits. And then I'll also put a link to my calendar scheduling link. If there's, you know, if this brings 
any questions or any ideas or you want to see how you could use this in your business, we'll just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash M-Y-M and you can connect with me there. That is terrific. We'll, of course, put that in our show description and try to get this, follow the good practices that Tom Schwab has told us about here and making it easy for people to take it in those bite-sized chunks. Tom's been uh, really fun. Thank you for bringing us behind the curtain a little bit and talking about this crazy, still developing world of, of podcasting and how people can use that, even if they don't run a podcast, in order to help their business. Thanks so much for being on our show. Thank you, Jim. I am very pleased that you've joined the podcast, whether you're a returning message manager, or maybe this is your first time in. We continue to build momentum, and that's because so many of you have been recommending us to friends and colleagues and leaving those five-star ratings. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds, tap subscribe, and offer your five-star rating and review that helps the robots figure out how to let other professionals know about this podcast so they can benefit as well. There's another free business messaging resource available to you, one you can read, the Message Manager Memo. It comes to your email inbox each week, a brief read with something you can put to work right away. You can sign up at the website, jimcarr.com, K-A-R-R-H. And while you're there, you probably know of a professional association or a company full of people looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow the business. You're probably part of more than one yourself. Well, on my website, you'll see a speaking page as well as a related page just for event professionals, the hardworking and often stressed out colleagues who need to find speakers and other ideas for making in-person events memorable and valuable. I list several keynote and session topics. They're all based upon practical learnings from my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. All of my topics are tailored to the themes of your meeting and the needs of your participants. My programs are designed to not only be engaging in the moment, but also to provide the basis for business growth for months and sometimes even years afterward. You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com and set up a time to talk by phone if you like. My direct number is also on the website. Let's talk. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.